Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the weekly show of Classroom Without Wars, episode 128. On this show, I interview leading social media, digital marketers, entrepreneurs, coaches, business owners, leaders to come here to share with us their best practices and strategies so that we can future-proof our business. And today we are talking about communication. What a great topic with us doing so many online meetings and Zoom meetings. I think it is time that we actually learn to upskill our communication with more clarity, confidence, and success. And join me live is the one and only Monique Russell. And Monique and I, we have been uh, connected on LinkedIn for quite some time. I'm a super fan of Monique, and she is the founder of Clear Communication Solutions. And she has been in the industry for 10, 12 plus years. And uh, she also has uh, two degrees in communication. And uh, Monique has been working with thousands of people, companies, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, including government agencies, such as Center for Disease Control and the Fortune 100 companies. And uh, Monique is also a keynote speaker, virtual speaker, online trainer, and so much more. So I'm really excited for today's interview. And I personally can't wait to learn more about communication, especially online communication. And we are also going to discuss emotional intelligence, right? The connection between communication and EQ and how EQ is going to help you become a better communicator. So you are going to walk away from today's interview with all of that, a much better understanding. And we're also going to discuss public speaking. So really excited. And uh, we are live on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on YouTube, and Periscope. So let me know in the comment section where you guys are joining us live from. I already see California, Australia. Thank you so much, everyone. And uh, so Monique, without any further ado, welcome to the show. Hello, Dr. I. I'm just so happy to be here. I am excited. I'm I'm a fan of you too. So just so you know, let me get that out there real quick. Um, oh. so thank you for having me on the show today. Of course, of course, really honor. And you probably don't know this. I actually also, uh, my degrees are also in communication. My master, my undergraduate, and my PhD. But I really learned nothing about communication. Only okay. <laughs> With all that degrees, you have to have learn something dr i come on totally. actually that's one of my very first question you know you learned you know you had two degrees in communication but you are also in the industry practicing and coaching communication for so many years what are some differences between you know learning and actually practicing what are some like key observations that you made as a result of being a practitioner so share with us Okay, um, and that's a good, great question to start with. I love these. I'm actually really excited to see what questions you have for me today. Um, all right, so the differences between the teaching that I observed and actually, you know, just being in the work as a practitioner. Actually, I'll say this, when I was teaching, 
Um, I was also a practitioner. So I actually had the opportunity to do it real time. And then I was able to bring in some examples, real life examples and create activities and exercises that would sort of cement the learning deeper for um, experiential transformation. But I'll say this. So typically when you are learning, you're really just accepting the knowledge. You're just um, moving through that top top surface level of awareness. Mm -hmm. You're going through your steps, your processes, maybe the research. And I will say, even when I studied communications, it was really heavy on the theory until I changed schools. And when mm -hmm. I went to a different school, which was St. Cloud State out of Minnesota, then I was able to do a little bit more of the hands-on as well as the theory side. Now, now that I'm a practitioner, I will say the difference between both of learning and doing is the mindset. So oh, wow. really, you can learn the tactics all day about how to um, display public speaking a prowess or how to move your body language, but really it's about having that mindset and the blending from the inside out that makes the whole communication process much more um, powerful. Yeah, totally. I, I love, you know, there are so many reasons I admire, respect, and love you. And one thing is how you have actually beautifully integrated, you know, this inside out approach and emotional intelligence. I love how you just mentioned mindset into effective communication. Actually, this is one of my later questions, but you are talking about this. So explain to us why mindset is so important and why emotional intelligence? Because I, after eight years in communication, we never had, I, I think, one single lesson on emotional intelligence. But now I see how important this is. So explain to us why mindset, why emotional intelligence, why are they so important? So, <clears throat> all right. So if I have to say like why, it is pretty much because you want to have um, lasting success. Like, have you ever done an exercise or you, you pursued something and then later on um, you forgot about it or you really don't mm -hmm. remember how to do it again? So when you have the mindset involved, you're tapping into something that's gonna drive you even further. So for example, I'll say, um, sometimes if, if someone is coming to me through their organization or um, a leader wants their employee to be coached, that has a different type of motivation or driving force. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're gonna show up and they're gonna do it, but they're doing it because it's externally driven. Just like we going to school, we learn our, our lesson and it's pretty much sometimes externally driven because we've just had this whole idea that we just have to go to school, get good grades, get our degrees, and that's the path. Everything is supposed mm -hmm. to be magic. Um, but what happens now when you find yourself with all of this education and all of this smarts and you still feel like, well, I really don't know what I should be doing, mm -hmm. or you find yourself in um, an industry. I had a lady that I worked with actually, and she was in her industry for over 20 years. And the thing about it is she was getting promoted every single time. She was doing great. I mean, wow. really, really getting recognized and being successful at work. But she still felt like, I don't know what to do with my life. <laughs> I was like, what? You're doing so great. Mm -hmm. So having the mindset piece when we're talking about 
communication. Communication is the glue that helps us connect everything, no matter what industry we, ch we choose, no matter mm -hmm. if, if we're connecting with our family members at home. But having that mindset, which really means getting deep into your self-awareness, mm -hmm. it gives you a reason to make sure that the change is more lasting, that you have a deeper reason of why you're doing it. And that reason why is coming from you and not from something that you feel you should be doing or you're conditioned to do, if that makes sense. Oh, make like so much sense. And, uh, you know, I'm a big advocate of intrinsic learning. And, you know, I kind of come from that education background. I think for everything that we do in life, if we want to do this and show up consistently, that drive has to come from the inside. So what are some, like, let's say that for people who come to you and they're, they need lots of internal work and here working on their mindset and like, what are some strategies or exercises that you do with those people to help them uh, be more in alignment with their inner self? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'll talk about even my own experience too. That's great, Dr. I. So, I mean, starting with some things just based on why are you doing, why are you doing what you're doing? What are some things that bring you excitement? What are some things that, you know, really stress you out? Do you even understand your personality styles? or having an awareness about communications um, approaches? Do you even know like the time of day you prefer to work or where you're at your best? And mm -hmm. it's just, just think of yourself as the project. So now imagine that you're taking yourself, you are stepping outside of yourself mm -hmm. or you are in that um, classroom, you're in the classroom and up on this big screen in the classroom, you're now watching yourself. You are investigating yourself. Your job is to find out as much as you can about yourself from your earliest memories to things that used to light you up, things that stressed you out, things that um, you had to overcome. Mm -hmm. Right now, we have a lot of um, stress and tension and and anxiety because of COVID-19 and the racial unrest. And so when we think about even just resilience, tapping into what have I overcome in the past? What was something that I felt, man, I would have never got over that? Mm -hmm. You know, pulling on those reserves and really getting to create this beautiful puzzle of yourself, you know, and then thinking about where where do the where do the values or beliefs come from just learning about i guess where your values or beliefs were shaped like mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you love to watch when you were growing up or love to read or the music that you listen to because a lot of times these are things that are embedded into us from early on and we may not know that we feel like okay this is how things should be so just exploring deeper um, going on this introspective, creative, and fun journey of yourself to begin that introspective pro process. And you'll be surprised, like a lot of great things are going to come out. Some things may be a little scary, um, or you may be like, oh, I don't know. But a lot of things are going to come up that will help you to start to, now with that awareness, begin to make different choices. Oh, I love this. I mean, the last year, at least, you know, from speaking from personal experience, my business has grown uh, like a lot last year. And the biggest 
change I made in my life is that I started working on myself. And uh, it's tough, very, very tough, you know, like unpacking all those like self-limiting beliefs and this and that, you know, childhood drama, trauma from my parents, you know, growing up <laughs> in China, all those things. Uh, uh, it is a very, uh, can be very uncomfortable, but so necessary to help you get to a new level. And you were talking about, Monique, you were talking about personality. And uh, I saw this, let me share my screen. And uh, I actually see this on your uh, website that is this, um, what's this called? D-I-S-C, personality mm -hmm. types. Mm -hmm. Is this, I know there are so many personality types. So is this the one that you recommend based on your like coaching and speaking experience? Mm -hmm. I use this, I use this tool in my practice and what, so there's those four quadrants, the dominance, influence, conscientiousness and steadiness. And mm -hmm. each of those categories gives us um, sort of an insight into how we prefer to communicate um, when we are at ease and how we communicate when we're under stress. So sometimes the things that are our strengths under stress can also be our weaknesses. So for example, um, I pretty much fall into that DI category. And so that's great if you are looking for the future or you're a visionary or you can inspire mm -hmm. others or you can lead others, but also under periods of stress, what that means is there would be a tendency to be um, very rigid, to come across as very callous, not really thinking about those around you. So it's important to have a beginning starting point. Mm. And these assessments help us to have those conversations, but they are certainly not the end all be all because they don't measure your values and they don't measure other things that can't be seen here. So I always tell people we start here and from here now we go into deeper conversations. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think any one tool um, will, will give you everything that you need, but these are these are tools to help you along the journey. I, I love this. I love this. Thank you for sharing. I think for me, I'm definitely the IS. I feel like influence and uh, steadiness. I don't know if that's true, but I feel like I'm more here. I'm going to share this link uh, in the comment section. And I'm curious, everyone let us know in the comment section kind of which category that you actually belong to. So yeah, let me share this really interesting, you know, understanding yourself so that we can better communicate. And I want to uh, ask you, Monique, you know, I love the saying, we cannot not communicate, right? So we're always communicating. But I think so few people are actually communicating effectively. So I want to ask you, you know, you have been in this space for such a long time. So what are some common mistakes that people are making and tend to make for that can hinder uh, effective communication? Um, so listening, listening is one, it's a big one. And what is thrown around a lot is that um, people just listen to respond, but that's that's really just at the surface level. Uh, when when we're seeing struggles with listening and effective listening, it's because there's so many other distractions that are going on. Mm -hmm. So the distractions can be internal, they can be external. It could be something like it's too hot in here. You know, it, it, your your environment can influence a lot about how you interpret and how you receive a message. Also, your state of being. So if you are hungry 
or if you're feeling really tired, I know if I'm tired, there's certain things that, you know what, I will put it to the side until I feel more refreshed. And then I could even either have that conversation or I could send that message. I know actually there, <laughs> there was one time, I think it was probably like two weeks ago and I got a message and went, I was tired. It was like way after the end of the day, I had been on Zoom all day. And when it first came in, I was tired and I was hungry. And I was like, what the heck? I'm, I'm not interested in this. Like seriously, this is a bunch of foolishness. And I just went off. Had I responded at that time, that would have not have been, been appropriate. So I waited until the next day. And then I addressed that issue at that time. So I just say when you are ha having challenges with listening, it can be that your external environment or your internal environment is influencing you. Um, a lot of times the, the times where we are not listening is because we feel like something else is distracting us. Mm -hmm. It's not something that is um, basically from the from the person that is speaking, it could be those views inside of ourselves. Maybe you hear somebody and the accent is too too off for you. Maybe their hair color is too, too bright for you. Maybe you don't like the way they're carrying themselves. And all of that is noise that mm -hmm. actually influences how the message is being received. So your job is to really get an understanding of yourself because the more you get an understanding of yourself, you'll be able to see and focus and zone in and say, okay, I'm just going to put those things to the side and really let me, let me see what this person is trying to say. Um, and I'll say this too, Dr. I, sometimes when we're judging others so mm -hmm. harshly, um, it's because we are judging ourselves. And when we go through that introspective process and we are having compassion for ourselves and we see that, you know what, we make mistakes, we make, uh, we, we mm -hmm. err um, and we're wrong sometimes, then it gives us that power to leverage the same presence and feeling and emotion to someone else. Oh, I, I love that, you know, so what's the saying? I forgot the exact statement, but pretty much what we see in others is a reflection of us. So whatever we see in others is like a mirror reflecting us. So, so true. Uh, you mentioned something really remarkable, which is uh, listening to only hear response. So can you explain that a little bit more? I feel like that is something many people like tend to do. So can you kind of go a little bit deeper and explain that to us? Yeah, so that's what I was saying. Like, you know, that that's a saying that a lot of people say when we are focused on on talking about listening skills. That oh, the reason why you're not listening is because you just want to have something to say. You're just waiting for your chance to be right. You're just waiting, you know, oh, okay, I'm gonna catch on to that. And and you're not really listening to the whole essence of the conversation. Mm -hmm. But what I was saying is that's basic. That that is just basic. Me saying that I'm I'm having challenges with listening because I just want to say what's you know what I need to say that definitely is a part of it but what's deeper is that those are internal beliefs those are internal emotions that are blocking you and giving uh, distractions or causing noise and interference as you are communicating with the person so you know you you can have uh, two people say the same thing and exactly the same way and one can be received and one can have challenges being received 
Why? Because there's internal interference. You know, there's internal noise and distraction going on. So we have to work on ourselves. We have to really understand ourselves so that we can be present for anyone, no matter who they are, no matter if their accent is, is, is um, English or uh, if their main language is English or if their main language is a, a different language. Mm -hmm. So those are barriers to making those connections. But I feel mm -hmm. once we are able to connect with ourselves and then we can extend that um, opportunity to other people to connect deeper and be curious and learn and see how we're all interconnected, then we have a chance at actually having meaningful connection. Otherwise, we just stay right here to the top with this very platonic surface level type of conversation. I love this. This is something that I really have to learn because when I first, like even hosting my show, and when I first started, I was overly concerned about my own questions, right? I don't want to look stupid. Like, what am I talking about? So I don't really feel like I'm paying that much attention. But now, you know, I have been doing this for some time. Now I'm a lot, I think a lot better at actually listening. So I'm actually gaining a lot more information and actually developing new questions based on what you are saying. So I, I love this much deeper connection for sure. So thanks for sharing. So the first mistake is listening. Are there any other mistakes that you want to share with us in terms of effective communication? Yeah, sure. So listening is definitely one. And then it's 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 like a skill, right? Um, <laughs> practicing, just really practicing, um, developing time with yourself, mm -hmm. really getting to know your thoughts, really journaling, really uncovering, you know, why you do the things you do or why you feel the way you feel. Also, I would say increasing your um, vocabulary. A lot of times we struggle with communication because we hear like, oh, I don't know what to say. Or let me tell you, this is how I felt. This is how I felt, but I, I can't describe it. I can't describe it. I don't know the word. Um, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? But you know what I'm saying. Those are phrases that we hear all oh, God, the so time. And it's because we're looking for the word. Um, the extent of our ability to communicate that that view is also connected to the words that we use um, to express ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have those words to express ourselves, we can be limited in, in how we want to come across. So just kind of like, you know, if, if you want to be, be better at communicating, expand your um, exposure to different types of phrases or words, or I would say, put, do this exercise. Ask yourself, um, what's another way to say that? Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, and keep trying to do it at least three times. I remember when I did um, a public speaking course, and it was actually at one of the local universities, and it was for youth coming into the university pipeline program, we would do public speaking. And, you know, these young kids, it was so funny because they would create their speech <laughs> and, and the way they would express it would be really, really, really straightforward. I like to eat. I mean, just like stuff like that, really straightforward. And so what we would end up doing, be like, okay, great. What's another way to say that? Okay, tell and they would try to say it, and I said, "Tell me another way to say it." 
you know, okay, describe the exact same thing that you're saying, but now describe it to me in a different way. Mm -hmm. So being able to say the same thing um, in a different way, at least two or three times is going to help you to develop that ability to connect better. Because sometimes if you just have it one way, you may find that the person on the other end, or if you're talking, especially if you're doing a virtual presentation, you might have the idea of how you want to get your point across. But remember, everyone in your audience isn't communicating the way you do. There's mm -hmm. different ways of communicating. So can you use examples that snap your message? Um, using mental previous mental blocks, can you use examples that they can draw from mm -hmm. and then put your main message together? Can you paint it visually a different way? And all of those things go right back into that whole vocabulary so that we're not finding ourselves saying, okay, but you know what I mean. You know exactly what well, I you mean. Know, you know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean, Dr. I. You know what I mean. Exactly. <laughs> I would just end the interview like that. <laughs> you know what I mean. Oh, I don't know. It's so true. I actually, right now, I'm going through a certification. I'm actually learning uh, a little bit more about neuroscience and how to teach in a way that students are meant to learn. And so I'm learning for every new concept, we are actually choosing at least four different perspectives to explain the concept. And one involves audio, another one involves visual. So you know, I will find code images or exercises using their body and or watching something or listening to something. Oh my God, makes a huge, huge, huge difference. I'm receiving lots of positive feedback from the students. So I love how you mentioned that. Yeah, it is so true. So if we can actually introduce different perspectives, that would be great. And uh, yeah, uh, enlarge our vocabulary. Yeah. And I think, you know what? I think we understand this in a uh, typical like classroom setting. But when we think about the corporate environment, we don't think like, okay, this this is actually like a classroom as well. So, you know, when we're talking, we, we're actually, we, we need to develop those facilitation skills and also those tools that make teachers effective if yeah. you wanna be able to kind of get your, your point across. Yeah, totally. And I'm, I'm uh, loving the comments from people. I think uh, Peter mentioned that, uh, you know, uh, you know, like, uh, like miscommunication sometimes or differences can actually lead to uh, innovation. And uh, see that Vicky made a similar point, exposing yourself to different people in different cultures. Uh, totally. We actually a quick story. So the last three years, we actually spent uh, in South Korea for a consulting gig. It is so interesting that I discovered for some people, like in a very collectivist culture. So when they want to say that they want something, they don't say, I want something. They will say that we want something. They will actually include me as a listener. I was like, for a long time, I'm so confused. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't need to go to the bathroom. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. But they, they will always say like, wait, this. I was like, it's really, really interesting. And so like, you know, then I learned, you know, oh, wow, this is really interesting how they talk. So I, I agree, you know, makes me think a little bit more about individualistic cultures. Yeah. 
yeah mm, definitely so oh my gosh that we could even go um uh, a little bit on that um topic as well so just being able to be exposed i think that also ties into the emotional intelligence mm -hmm. with the curiosity that you have to learn about you know individualistic cultures collective cultures differences of how things are approached but if you're rigid in your way and you feel like there's something to prove like or you're so self-conscious, like you were talking about how you, you know, you were thinking, oh, what if you ask the wrong question? What if you, you know, when you get into that space, but after you've done all that work inside of yourself, those things are removed and they're no longer hindrances for you mm -hmm. to connect with your um, interviewee. Mm -hmm. But you can see how those things inside of us, they are things that can help block the communication because we are thinking about how we're going to come across or we are thinking about what if i look like you know i'm i'm not i don't know what i'm talking about so the the key is once you're getting stronger there um learning about the different cultures and mm -hmm. being able to adapt it's about being able to flex being able to connect so for example like if i am speaking um depending where i'm speaking if i'm speaking in the Caribbean or um, in, in certain African um, countries, I know that a lot of what we talked about as far as the um, accolades and the titles and the status is very important. Mm -hmm. I even once had a networking meeting and for the first five minutes, we were getting to know each other, me and this person. And for the first five minutes, he just talked all about all of his accolades and he went to school here <laughs> and he went to school there and blah, 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 blah. Now, I understand that that is also part of the cultural experience. So you have to be able to adapt. And um, what I wanted to say was if I know I'm speaking there, I know that those are things that are valued. So my bio might be different from if I'm speaking in a different place. So those are things like you need to be able to pay attention to so that you can connect with your audience. It's, it's all about your audience. It's, it's not about you, um, but you're giving information in a way that can help you connect, that can help you move the dialogue forward and maybe transform someone's perspective. Wow, that is such an eye-opening perspective. I love, you know, talking about high EQ, yes. So do you actually have different versions of your bio? depending on the audience you are speaking to? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm like, I'm curious, everyone in the live audience, let me know. Do you also have different versions of your bio? Very interesting. Wow, I, I have some homework to do. I only have one. <laughs> Dr. I stop. Yes, I do, because it's always about the audience. So, you know, you always have to think about them first. And what's going to help them receive the message that you want to convey if there's going to be something in the bio which is going to be read way before i even speak that can cause a block i'm already setting myself up for even um a bigger challenge you know, you know what i'm saying so i i, I take into consideration everything i i love that you know again you know talking about social media is actually for the audience, right? Like communication is actually for the audience. Yeah, totally. You, yeah, I love it. You make me think. So here is a question that I almost missed, thanks to Peter. Uh, so uh, Peter from Australia asked us, like, if you, uh, Monique, 
uh, if you can explain the links between conversational skills and the storytelling more. I love that question. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting because stories are a way of connecting us. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like stories can connect us. They, they transcend even beyond culture. So if you're able to uh, use a story or an example of something that happened to you or maybe something that happened to someone else in your conversation, you're going to be able to um, accelerate the understanding. So that connection and that understanding, mm -hmm. you're going to be, be able to accelerate it. Stories have been around for ages and we see it in every aspect of our lives, in our commercials, in our TVs, in our ads, in our social media posts, um, how we present ourselves online. So being able to have a great way of telling your story. Um, when I, I'll say this, when I taught the public speaking course at the university, um, students had to write a variety of speeches and present it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the story in terms of how they would out, outline it in the speech in the written form it would just be a little bit dry. It wouldn't have a lot of pizzazz or life. And I say, you know, think about your story. Um, if you watched a movie and you were getting ready to tell your best friend how great this movie was, you wouldn't say, you know, they started at the beach, they flew over to Paris, and at the end of it, they ended up getting married. I mean, you, you would really get into the details, into the weeds. You would talk about, you know, she, she was working at the bookstore and she was going to school and she found this person who was watching her <laughs> and, the, and this person kept watching her every time he came to buy a book. And, you know, you would, you would talk about the intricacies and give us little details that would make that story even more engaging. So when you're sharing an idea or when you're sharing something just in casual conversation, use that opportunity to pull it into story form mm -hmm. and share the in intricacies. It may feel uncomfortable if you're not used to doing it. So you start small and you just start small. And from there, you can build up your, your goal, especially if you're not looking to be a public speaker, oh, hey, kitty. <laughs> if you're not looking to be a public speaker, um, that's not something you have to worry about. But in terms of storytelling, you use that for your life. I use it with my kids. I even use it with my husband, you know, because again, um, proximity doesn't, doesn't foster understanding. Age doesn't foster understanding. It's our ability to use the skills and the tools at our disposal that are going to help us to accelerate the success of connection. Oh my God. So true. I mean, storytelling. And now I do a lot of story selling. Like I actually think a lot about the stories I'm crafting and I rely on my stories to do the selling for me. Uh, really, for me, like coming from that, you know, academic background, this is something that I literally had to really unlearn, like and relearn how to speak and how to embrace storytelling. So thanks for explaining that. And I want to kind of shift our focus a little bit because I feel like right now, given what is happening, this global pandemic, uh, we are doing so many Zoom meetings, online conferences, all those things. So you do like virtual training and keynote speaking. I wonder, Monique, if you can share with us, like, you know, like what are some tips 
and some things that we can do to make our online like talk or you know solo talk or like workshops or keynote more engaging like i feel like with online that's kind of a big challenge with the, the audience right so many distractions frankly speaking some people's talks are just so boring i can't <laughs> I would just like picture, I would just turn off my camera and do other things. And uh, so share with us what are some ways that we can make our online communication more effective and capture you know the audience. Mm, 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 mm. I was laughing because I someone had reached out to me for that same reason, saying that, oh my gosh, I sat through this boring presentation, lifeless presentation. So there's so many aspects of this, right? Um, one is just, we, we can put it into categories. One is content, one is delivery. So it doesn't matter how uh, exciting your delivery is, your content has to hit the mark. People respond to content that is interesting to them, that is engaging to them, that has an opportunity for them to learn something new or bring something insightful. So focusing and spending time on the content that you're delivering and not just, you know, um, reciting off what's on the screen and going over, you know, the regular updates, sort of bring some creativity into it. Think about how you can um, align it to like we were talking about a story or an example, something mm -hmm. nice and short. Um, and then we're talking about delivery and leveraging your personality online. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things you can do personally to prepare yourself because it is draining. We mm -hmm. are hyper-focused when we're on Zoom because now we're not in a conference room just saying what we have to say. We're on the screen and we're looking at people's background or we're looking at our hair and we're looking at, you know, everything is much more hyper-focused. So it's requiring a lot more calories and it's requiring a lot more energy. So at, at the end of your session, you may feel like, oh my God, I felt like I just ran 10 miles. And if you're doing that back to back, and then if you're doing cognitive work, all of that plays a factor. Things to enhance your experience, focus on your content, make sure your body is hydrated, make sure that you know you get enough rest in between, don't schedule things back to back, um, do away with the one hour meeting, okay? Just, just get rid of the one hour meeting, condense it, and make sure that you are bringing in the most important information into your presentation and leave room for conversation or engagement in the chat box. Anytime you have to do a presentation, sometimes you may want to consider doing it standing like you are and like I am too. Yeah. Um, because then it gives us, <laughs> yeah, we doing our, we doing our, Hey, you know, let's go. So, so you, you're you're just setting your body it's like you're you're teaching or training your body to get ready for um sharing something um delivering so make sure you have those things in place as well you know check your your um temperatures in the room or things that things that you can't control um and then as far as uh delivering in real time um bring the energy you know, you can bring the energy, use your vocal variety to tell things, use pauses. Don't be afraid of silence. Oh, my God. Um, don't be afraid of silence. Silence is your best friend because people need to process. So just, you know, count, count to 10.
just like that, right? And so in that space, in that moment, as you're asking a question, um, as you are creating space for reflection, embed that into your presentation. Mm -hmm. Don't just, we got to get through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, create space into your presentation that allows for cognitive rest. Mm -hmm. So I hope that's helpful. Oh, totally. I love how you actually, Vicky and I were just talking about, I love how you said, Ban the, the one hour meeting. Yes. Join the club. Yeah. And uh, Vicky and I were just talking about silence. And now I do like uh, meeting, uh, like do meetings with uh, prospects. So after I mention my program, I will actually just stop. Like, but the old me, I will be like, like so much information, right? I, I always feel like that I'm not giving them in, enough information, but now I learn to actually pause and stop. And then they will actually start to ask me more questions. So this is something that I learned because that silence can be very uncomfortable and it's something that I'm learning to embrace that. So I don't feel like, you know, so pressured to feel in every second. Yeah. Same here. I, I can tell you, I love to talk, Dr. I, you know, I love to talk. So, <laughs> um, so the key with that is intention, you know, your intention. If your intention is to have that experience for your audience or your goal is to connect, think about, what you want to experience before you go into that um, presentation or that meeting, mm -hmm. and then use that intention to guide you through that conversation. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. And you have uh, Vicky's your super fan now, and she says she's totally going to follow you. So that's great. Thank you, yeah. Vicky. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that is something that you know how. This is a difference between um, like online or talking on the phone, like one second of silence, you can really feel it. Whereas in person, it doesn't feel that uncomfortable. And you know, even a few seconds, you feel like not that awkward, but with online, everything kind of amplifies. So like, and now I'm, I'm, I'm really working on this and to improve myself, actually going back to the education training I did, and they said that, you know, there's the 80-20 rule. If you are talking like 80% as a teacher, you know, as a salesperson, whatever, and that's now good. So you want to help the audience to, you know, uncover and also speak. So, yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, so thank you. Those are some really uh, great tips. And, you know, like talking about coaching and working with clients, and uh, I want to ask you, you know, how come I, earlier we were talking about emotional intelligence? So this year I'm learning to say no a lot. And, but you know, given um, uh, my culture where I grew up with, it is not something that we are used to do. Like, you know, we are very, we avoid conflict as much as possible. And so how, like, how can we learn to handle rejections and to say no to people in a way that we are still demonstrating a very high level of emotional intelligence without hurting the relationship. So I wonder mm -hmm. if you can like give us some some tips on this. This is something that I personally struggle with. And I don't know if anyone in the live audience also struggle with this, you know, conflict and you know, saying no to people, handling rejections, especially working with people who are in a higher position than you. So give us some tips. Mm. So I feel like everyone, if they're honest, knows that there is a difficult conversation that they need to have and they've put mm -hmm. it off. Mm 
mm-hmm. and they haven't had it yet for some reason um, or the other. You know, that that reason probably is fair or they feel, you know, obligated to that person or um, are afraid of being rejected or something like that. So when when it comes to saying no, that's just really in the line of those healthy boundaries, setting the boundaries of what you can and what you can't do or what you're not interested in doing. And of course, we're concerned about having respectful conversations. We're concerned about making sure that we are protecting and nurturing the relationship. Mm -hmm. So if that relationship is something that has been nurtured and you're not just, um, you haven't developed the uh, rapport yet with that individual. I mean, either way, excuse me, either way, you want to make sure that the language that you're using is going to come across um, in a good way. So when I talk about saying no, I'll say something like, make sure that you share what you can't do and what you can do. If you cannot come to the party, or if you cannot take on this project, maybe you can share something that you can do. Um, you know, I'm not able to take on yeah. this uh, project right now. I'm operating at full capacity. What I'm able to do is provide you with the reference of someone who can. So that way, it's not like you're leaving them out in the cold if it is something that you really can help them with. Mm-hmm. But the goal is really just about protecting your energy and protecting your space. So Mm -hmm. when you have the vocabulary or when you have multiple ways of connecting and saying what you need to express, you can use that. I know people say, just say no, but the truth is if you just say no, that's not building the relationship. That's not going to strengthen or nurture the relationship. No, it's a complete sentence. I see all of these phrases that are feel good phrases, but they're really not effective strategies or tools for for nurturing communication. So make sure that you're saying, you know, what you're you're putting the emphasis on yourself mm-hmm. as to what you can or you can't do. And then if there's something that you can do, then make sure that you offer that as well. And this takes the practice. This takes building that muscle. Um, and you again, you're going to make sure that depending on who you're connected with, you understand that relationship, you understand you understand the nurturing, or if you have had situations with that individual that are not just one way or transactional, then you use that information that you know and you connect with that person on a one-to-one um, level. Things like, you may not be aware of this, but when you ask me to do this, I'm having to choose between this thing or this thing. Or I noticed that you sent an email to me on Sunday morning. This is time I usually spend with my family. You know, would you, would you, you know, please send the information on Monday or schedule it out to send it to me on Monday. You know, just, just so that you're communicating that, you know what, if you're sending me something on the weekend, you're not expecting me to respond to you on the weekend, but if your job if your job says that's what you signed up for, then that's what you signed up for. But <laughs> ultimately, you are expressing your a boundary line, and you're inviting that conversation because you're not just assuming that they're sending something and you're responding. And inside yourself, you're feeling like, oh my god, they sent me this thing at 11 p.m. and I have to do it. Mm-hmm. So they may not know. Um, I always take that approach. 
they may not know. And if you don't say anything and if you don't express yourself or speak up for yourself, how will you expect them to understand the discomfort that it's causing you? Mm. Oh, wow. Those are really some great tips. I love how you are, you know, when you are, even if you are saying no, you offer a few options and explain things and, you know, within the context of building a nurturing relationship. So I love that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to apply some of those tips. When everyone is talking about silence, and uh, I love this uh, really great idea from Peter. Uh, he said that at the, the start of his workshops, he will actually do a 20 second of silence activity and people just, you know, that's, that's like, that's the most uncomfortable you will get and then enjoy the rest. Oh, that's such a great idea. I love it. Yeah, and, and that's definitely the focus, getting them to focus. You know, it's like that that bell when you were in um, uh, elementary school. Sometimes the, the teachers would ring that little bell to say, mm -hmm. ding, and, you know, get everyone to focus. I don't know if that was your experience, but that was my experience sometimes where, oh, where you try to get, get the kids to focus. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It also reminds me of I actually just finished watching a LinkedIn course talking about the cold calling. So this guy give uh, people a tip. So you can start your day with the hardest potential prospect. That's like the worst. You know, this this person may just say the F word, you know, like, you know, whatever. And start with that. And then the rest of your day is going to be definitely better than that. And you are going to end with a more positive note. So really uh, interesting. And I want to go back to uh, another point that you mentioned earlier, Monique. You were talking about, you know, emotional triggers and actually that's one of my questions so what are some emotional triggers that block uh effective communication and how can we even recognize those triggers i feel like sometimes people just like blow up and they're just so angry they don't even see the trigger so what are some uh techniques that you can share with us to help us uh first recognize those emotional triggers and then uh regulate Mm, 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 mm. So it's going to be different for everybody. So mm -hmm. what triggers you may not trigger me. It may not bother me at all. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I know it, it sounds like I'm uh, repeating or being a broken record here, but that's really why it's important for you to get to know yourself. Um, because I can't just say, okay, these are the top five triggers. Uh, and then, you know, it may not be the same for everybody. So really getting to know yourself um, and then when you are aware of that, just like I will go back to your example where you talked about how with the questions you would feel that, okay, I don't want people to think that I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. That that for you, that, that was a trigger for you not to be seen as though you don't know what mm -hmm. you're talking about. So mm -hmm. if you're in a situation where you feel like if you raise your hand or if you contribute to a topic or you say, say something or speak up, and someone doesn't respond in the way you feel is honoring your idea, that may really get, trigger something for you. You may get defensive. Mm. You may withdraw completely and be silent. You may not even contribute for the next 10 meetings. So <laughs> it's all unique to the individual. Um, and But once we become aware of it, we can start to feel you can we can start to feel those emotions. Um, I'll tell you, like I think it was about a week and a half ago, um, I had a lady a conversation with the lady, and we were talking about our views on an aspect of parenting. 
And, you know, I had my view and she had her view and we, we both know each other so we could push and lean back on each other's views without any problem. Um, and then there was one part where, you know, she was really sharing that, no, she didn't believe what I was saying. And she, um, I felt within myself that, oh, I was getting a bit defensive. And so I said, wait, let's stop right here. I'm feeling a little bit defensive. Let's, mm -hmm. let's, play, let's play around with this. You know, like, oh. let's really kind of see what I'm feeling about this particular idea. But you have to know yourself and you have to know, um, you know, how those responses are coming up for you. Some people, when those things are happening, they may start getting loud. You know, no, I don't mean that. That's not what I'm talking about. You're taking it the wrong way. Or what I'm saying is they may, they may get really loud or, mm -hmm. you know, they may try to avoid certain parts of the conversation or they may withdraw completely from the topic. So the way people respond is different. Um, and the things that trigger them is also different. Someone mm -hmm. who, who um, one of the ladies I work with, you know, she is happy about working from home because she's like, you know what? I don't have to raise my seat when I go into the boardroom. These are small things that we, we don't think people think about, you know, cause she's shorter and typically, you know, when sitting down in the chair, you know, at, she wants to be at eye level. She first thing you go in is, is, is raise the seat to the highest lever on the chair. And so it's like, you know what, we're eye to eye. I don't even have to worry about that. For me, I've never done that. So having that feeling or having something come up for me or be triggered um, because of that wouldn't work for me, but it could be something that, you know, she feels conscious of or, you know, feels um, that that could be taken a, a different way if someone were to mention um, her height or something like that, you know, so. Yeah, those are really interesting stories. I love how you respond, you know, talking to the parent and how you kind of rephrase the question and you use the eye language, I'm feeling this way about myself. And to me, that is a very high level EQ response. So I love that, you know, yeah, thank you for sharing that really positive example. Oh yeah, totally personal. And uh, my husband and I know, we know each other's trigger. Like I have certain triggers every time when he talks about that, I'm like, oh, I will get into a lecture or be really mad or when he, I say something about him, you know, that touches his trigger. Oh, yes. So we, we're slowly learning to recognize him and then regulate, be more uh, effective communicator to actually recognize the history that the person has been carrying with this person that led to this point of communication to really see that history. It is something I feel like involves loss of uh, emotional intelligence for sure yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 and you talk we uh, we only have a few minutes uh, left i want to talk about the future a little bit as so you talk a lot about upskilling you know learning investing so looking to the future with covid you know lots of online communication and so what do you think are some key skills or like uh or knowledge, you know, skill set or knowledge that we need to learn intentionally cultivating to move into the future in terms of effective communication. So, of course, emotional intelligence is on the list, mm -hmm. and that encompasses so many different things of yourself, your connection with yourself and others. And I definitely say public speaking because you have to be able to articulate your message and connect with your audience as well. And I'll say 
as far as creativity goes in really on connecting and understanding the interconnectedness of our world, I believe that this is critical for us to really see our um, relationship with nature, our relationship with um, other countries. I mean, we're all global right now. We're all online everywhere. Um, everything has accelerated really, really quickly. So you're going to be doing business with people um, all over, all over the world. And so it would make sense for you to start to develop a global mindset and really understand how things are interconnected in our world, which will help you to also be innovative and come up with um, solutions that will help to not just position your organization, but position yourself for the future. Like, how are you gonna bring new ideas and um, strategies to your career? Mm -hmm. So those are, those are three things or three areas I would say really kind of focus on to prepare yourself um, in the area of communication. Um, any other skill, I feel like these are things that will be constantly evolving in the next four or five years. We'll see new needs, just like we have the social media and the digital presence that wasn't here or not in any of um, the curriculums. I think we're going to see a lot more skills that are needed that are going to come up. So the key is really following the trends or follow people that follow the trends so that you can be aware. And it's really all about adapting and resiliency. So you might have um, changed your strategy from the beginning of the year. Um, well, you're going to you may need to. We're now in July, so you may need to change your strategy again. So this is that agile mindset and the emotional intelligence is what's going to help you to relax the rigidity of your thinking Amen. in terms of it Amen. has to be this one way. Amen. Oh, my God. So many great points. I'm just like yesterday I had a conversation. So the woman is going to come to my show, Alicia. And so she specializes in like event planning. So can you imagine her career, you know, with all the conferences in this cancel? But she's so smart. She pivoted and uh, got to the one person million dollar business, like doing event planning in COVID. I was like, wow, like eye opening, right? So like fast action taker, thinker, not kind of victimizing herself. Oh my goodness, incredible. So I love how you mentioned the last point. So spot on. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so share with us uh, where can people learn more about you and connect with you and we all see how amazing you are. And Peter has also been sharing your social media handles in the comment section. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. Yes, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Monique Russell, Clear Communication Coach. And my website is Clear Communication Solutions. I'm on Instagram, Clear Communication Coach, and Facebook, Clear Communication Coach, and I'm looking forward to connecting with you. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you uh, for such a, a great conversation. So next week, uh, we have uh, the one and only and another amazing guest, uh, Guy Kawasaki. I'm really excited. So join us live uh, next Friday for some of you in Australia, so Thursday morning. So we are going to discuss community building and uh, and social media and everything. Really excited. And uh, thank you again, Monique. You are amazing. Really honored to have you on the show. And thank you so much, everyone in the live audience. So great to see you again. A big virtual hug. Yes, virtual hug. Yeah, today's <laughs> session. 
and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. I hope to see you next Wednesday uh, or Thursday, same time, same location. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>